Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can follow us on Facebook or visit our website at BeatitudesChurch.org. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society. Change. This past week was all about transition and flux, especially here at Beatitudes. The book of Judges is a tragic account of how Yahweh was taken for granted by his children year after year, century after century, through a period in which 15 different judges temporarily led the Israelites. The pandemic has certainly forced all of us to take a hard look at all that we have taken for granted. But maybe, just maybe, it has also forced us to see that reflection in the mirror as the agent for change. Today's scripture is from Judges 2, 6 to 10. Disobedience and defeat. After Joshua had dismissed the Israelites, they went to take possession of the land, each to their own inheritance. The people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him and who had seen all the great things the Lord had done for Israel. Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. Wow. And they buried him in the land of his inheritance at timnath in the hill country of Ephraim, north of of Mount Gash. After that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. And speaking of agents of change, what is the leader that you immediately think of when I say agents of change? Today we recognize the life of an incredible human being civil rights advocate, and agent for change, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. It is through his words that we find change. In Strength to Love in 1963, he said, the ultimate measure of a man or a person is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. And then in a speech before a group of students at Barrett Junior High School in Philadelphia on October 26, 1967, here's what he said. Be a bush if you can't be a tree. If you can't be a highway, just be a trail. If you can't be a sun, be a star. For it isn't by size that you win or fail. Be the best of whatever you are. Right now, I have concern for a teenager. It's a metaphorical teenager. That teenager, from my opinion, is our nation. If you stop and look at the age of our nation, we are quite, quite young in comparison to other nations. 
So in my opinion, I look at our nation as a type of teenager. In its growth, we are still learning, we are maturing as a country. And our country has experienced so much, and not only the last couple years with the pandemic, but if you look back at the last, just the last 100 years, we have experienced traumatic events that continue to shake the essence of who we are. I think back about just January 6th and the events that took place at our Capitol. Go back a little bit of it more in time and you come to 9-11 and how that shook the foundation of our country. People wondered, are we safe anymore? Go back a little bit further into the 1960s and you have the death and the assassination of our president, President Kennedy. And before that, further back in the early 1900s, we have the Great Depression. All of these events have traumatized our nation. But the amazing thing about our country is that we are continuing to want to learn from those things, from these events. What is it that we can do to make certain, or at least to minimize the possibility of these ever happening again? What lessons can be not only learned, but implemented? What changes need to take place now so that we can still respect individuals' freedoms, but at the same time create a country where those freedoms and rights can be exercised in safety? That's a hard, hard task for anyone to accomplish. And it's a task that other nations have had to also pursue. And in particular, I think about ancient Israel and the period of the judges. When they first entered into the promised land and then moved from a tribal setting to a monarchy, but then the event that centers the essence of Judaism is the exile that occurred when Babylon came and took over the capital of Jerusalem. And in the process, removed the vast majority of individuals from that land of Palestine and took them into captivity in Babylon. Those individuals in Babylon, they begin to reflect and they said, why did this happen? Because if we can understand why it happened, then we can take the steps that are necessary to make sure that it never happens again. And so they begin to ponder and they begin to think. And because of their idea of God, that God was actively involved in their country, in the affairs of humanity, especially on a level when it came to nations. They believed that it wasn't just pure chance that Nebuchadnezzar and his army that came into Jerusalem, that it wasn't just by chance, that somehow God had allowed this. Because in their estimation, God is all-powerful. And if God is all-powerful, God could have stopped that from happening. So there must be a reason why God allowed that to happen to them. 
And so they begin to reflect. And they came to the conclusion that they had been disobedient, that they had been unfaithful to God. And so with that unfaithfulness, they decided, how can we make sure that this never happens again? And the best way to do that is to create boundaries. If you would, to put up a fence, to make sure that everyone stays inside of the yard. And if we can make sure that no one crosses over and outside, then we are obedient and faithful to God, then our future will be secure. So while in exile, more than likely, it was during this period of time that they wrote their laws. They took those laws and they brought them back into the land of Palestine. And they told the people, if we are obedient, if we are faithful to God and worship no other gods, then we will be secure. And we will not only be secure, but we will flourish. God will bless us. And then they looked back at the stories and the events that they had told about their history, and they decided, we need to, to retell these stories in the context of this new understanding. And we especially see this at the beginning of the book of Judges. In the text that Janelle read for us, listen again to how they emphasize the importance of obedience to God and worship only to God. In Judges chapter 2, again, it says, And the people served Yahweh all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua. And another generation grew up after them who did not know Yahweh or the work that Yahweh had done for Israel. And the Israel did evil in the eyes of Yahweh, and they served the bells. Which is a way not only of referring to a specific deity in Canaan, but it is a reference, it's kind of a title that can be used to capture all false gods from their estimation. They looked back at their history from this new understanding that if we are not obedient, if we worship only God, and if we allow other gods to be worshipped, the same thing's going to happen again. So they wanted to make certain that this never occurred. An Old Testament scholar says the following, premise is that the reason for Israel's constant struggle to survive in the land is that the covenant that Yahweh commanded them had not been obeyed. Listen carefully. Violation of law consisted in worshiping the wrong gods in the wrong places in essentially the wrong time. So at Israel at that moment became quite exclusive. They did not allow their citizens to marry foreigners. Especially you see this in Ezra and Nehemiah. They, they said, we have to remain pure. 
So that way we can remain loyal to God. And so they became a very exclusive country when it came to their understanding of God and their toleration of foreigners. The challenge we have is living in the 21st century is how does this ideology, this idea of understanding God and being exclusive in one's beliefs, how does that work in the 21st century? In the 1960s, so basically in my lifetime, there's been a shift that has taken place in our country. In the 1960s, if you turned on the news, if you listened to one of our presidents, you would hear them talk about Christianity. You would hear them pray and mention Jesus. There was this sense of, we are a Christian nation. And the reason why that existed was because there was no other options, primarily. There were other groups, but these groups were nothing as far as other religions, they were nothing in comparison to the dominance that Christianity had in our nation. But over time, a change occurred. Over the last period of time, we've watched things change with an influx of immigrants, and with that comes their religions, their ideas about God. When that came in, what ended up happening was that created more options for people. People began to live next to individuals who were Muslims. People went to school with individuals who were Hindus or Buddhists. And individuals, their understanding began to grow. We are now a pluralistic country when it comes to religion. But not everyone enjoys that. Not everyone sees that as a positive. Just within Christianity, 25% of Christians, and thankfully it's not a number larger than that, 25% of Christians are what we would call Christian exclusivists. Their main focus is believing that there is only one way in order to get to heaven, to be right, and that is the Christian way. So they tolerate, they, they somewhat do just a nod of the head to these other religions. But they're not interested in engaging them and learning from them. So they continue to promote just one way. What's amazing is that over the last 10 to 20 years, We've seen a growth within Christianity where more and more are becoming what is called Christian inclusivists. It doesn't mean that they're not keeping their ideas and their beliefs in place, but their beliefs are somewhat more tentative. They value and they appreciate other religions. And instead of just casually nodding their head at them and acknowledging their presence in our country, they become curious. They actually want to learn from them. 
They want to see what it is they believe about God, and not only what they believe, but why do they believe it. And they are willing not only to share what they believe, but they're willing to listen and grow in their understandings. It's amazing that we're seeing this shift occur. And perhaps the radical thing that is needed today is individuals to think for themselves where they fall down, where they come down on these two options. Are you exclusively Christian or are you an inclusive Christian? Are you willing to explore and have conversations and grow and learn and evolve in the same way that our world and our lives is evolving? A sociologist said the following, religious pluralism is a good in itself, worthy of being promoted and protected for its own sake. Thriving religious pluralism supports the well-being of American society and democracy more broadly. It has an impact. Your view of God your view of salvation, your view of humanity, your view and understanding in how you read the Bible, all of that impacts our country. And we can be the agents of change. And while I try to understand why these ancients believed what they did about God, that is not a belief that I am comfortable continuing to maintain. That is not an idea about God that resonates with me. Now, you have to decide for yourself if that works. But the challenge I present to all of us is that we become more inclusive so that the events that transpired in Texas yesterday will diminish and ultimately disappear. A man entered a synagogue yesterday, and for 11 hours he held the rabbi and those individuals within the synagogue as hostages. For 11 hours, these individuals were traumatized, not knowing if their life would end and if they would see the next day or their families ever again. Our president replied by saying the following, there is more we will learn in the days ahead about the motivations of the hostage taker. But let me be clear, to anyone who intends to spread hate, we will stand against anti-Semitism and against the rise of extremism in this country. You know, that's great our president said that. But there's a power 
that is untapped. And that is religious groups. Because what we are seeing in our country, many of the sociologists are telling us it's related to what people believe about God and about other human beings. Maybe it's time for spiritual communities to have more of these discussions, not only among, just among themselves, but for each individual with us that is a part of these spiritual communities to take it upon themselves to learn about others, to have a belief that continue to evolve and grow because ultimately, I think it all goes back to Jesus. You know, there was some of his followers that were unhappy. Because some of his followers were, they were watching another group of people over there who were, well, they were doing deeds, good deeds, but they were doing them in the name of God in the name of Jesus. And they weren't a part of their group. And that bothered them. So they went to Jesus. And he said, you need to shut that down. And Jesus didn't. And he said that those who are not against us, are for us. Maybe there's a principle in that story that we in the 21st century can continue to learn. I hope you will ponder and think and pray on these things. Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can help us to continue this program by making your donations at beatitudeschurch.org backslash online dash giving. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society.